Well, this morning, Lord willing, uh, about 30 teams targeting about 200-some homes will head out. And I want to remind us as we go today that as we knock on the homes, they are real people. You are knocking on the homes today of grandmas and grandpas, of fathers and mothers, of sons and daughters, somebody's brother or sister, an aunt, an uncle, a niece, a nephew, a cousin, a co-worker, an old college friend, a former employer or employee. Today, as you counter these people, they have souls. And their soul will spend somewhere forever in either heaven or hell. And today, it is our job, our responsibility as believers to take the gospel to them. Today, I want to be really clear about what our mission is. And our mission is this. The church is called to make disciples, not decisions. The church is called to make disciples, not decisions. Our aim today and any day is not just simply to get people to pray a prayer so that we can feel like we were successful. I want to remind us what success is. Success is sharing the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just being faithful to tell someone about Jesus. That is, that is faithfulness. That is success. And so I want you today to not go to feel this burden that I have to get people to pray some prayer so I can come back and tell everybody how good I did. And they'll be like, man, they're finally proud of me. No, success or obedience and faithfulness is just sharing the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to remind us also today as we go out that there are people you are going to encounter that have a false assurance of salvation. And we don't need to affirm to them that they are going to heaven when the reality is they're not. And so because of that, I want to do two specific things today. Number one is I want to show you how disciples experience genuine conversion. So I want to remind us as we go out today to shape it in our hearts and minds, what is genuine conversion? What does it mean to truly be born again? And then secondly, we want to follow that up with just some really practical moments of how do disciples share the gospel faithfully? So let's ask those questions, right? Let's try to answer them this morning to prepare our hearts and minds to go out and knock on doors in this community. So the first question, what does genuine conversion look like? Right? What does genuine conversion look like? Well, today we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It's a book there in the New Testament if you have your copy of God's Word. And we're going to walk through much of the first chapter. And, and there Paul writes to the church there in, in, Greek, in Greece. And so as he writes to them, they've been wrestling with some really hard things. Some people have told them the resurrection has already taken place. They've missed it. And so Paul now writes to assure them that they have not been forgotten, that they are actually God's children. He's going to explain to them why you are God's children. And so let's turn there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 4. Listen again. So we're going to see some marks of what does genuine conversion look like. The first thing is this. Genuine conversion starts with God's pursuit of sinners. If we're going to talk about salvation, we've always got to start with God. Genuine conversion starts with God's pursuit of sinners. This is what Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, beginning in verse 4 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Paul says to the church, listen, I want you to know, brothers, that you are loved by God. You're not forgotten by God. You've not missed the resurrection. You are not second-class Christians. He says, I want to let you know that God has, in fact, chosen you. Right? It reminds us that God is always the one taking the initiative to pursue sinners. That's why we today as a church are going out to pursue others, because God first pursued us. It's hearing the words of 1 John. We love Him because why? He first loved us. 
It's, it's God's pursuit of us, church. And, and so Paul is telling them, and he's going to base his argument on God saying that God has, in fact, Paul says, chosen you. And he says, I want you to know why you are actually God's children. I want to confirm it to you so you have no doubt. And so he's going to use his first because and begin to unfold that. But I want us just for a moment to realize that truth about genuine conversion begins with God's pursuit of sinners. God begins salvation. It's his work. That should encourage you, Mark, as he shared. As we go to those homes today to remind that God's already been in that home and in that life from the moment, right, that they were conceived in their mother's womb all the way to this moment now. God's been working in their homes and their lives. God is there. He knows them. He loves them. He cares for them. So I want to encourage you today. You're not going to knock on a door where God's not already there. You're not going to be alone. The Spirit's going to be there. So I want to let that encourage you that you are going to trust saying, God, I know that you are able to save anyone today that I encounter. I'm going to trust, God, that you are the one that's going to do the work. Why? Because God's genuine conversion begins first with you. It's first your work. That's what Paul says here. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Look what he says secondly to them. Because our gospel came to you not only in word. Now, Paul's going to talk about what it means not only in word, but I think it tells us a reminder that genuine conversion requires the sharing of the gospel. Our gospel came to you. The gospel has to come, right? Romans 10 and 17, right? Well, let's back it up even before we get to verse 17. Verse 13, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, what? We'll be saved. We love that. And then Paul says, well, if you love it, then how can people call on the one in whom they've not heard? And then he says, fast forward to verse 17, that faith comes through what? Hearing and hearing through the word of God. Church, if they are to be born again, they must hear the word. And if they don't hear it from us, who will they hear it from in this community? It is a call of the churches. When I say us, I speak not only of Greensburg Baptist, but the churches collectively, the disciples, the believers in this community that God has put here to share the gospel with them. And Paul says, listen, because our gospel came to you, well, we need to ask Paul, what is the gospel? The gospel is a story, like you just sang it, of Christ's life, death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel has been known as the good what? The good news. It's the good news in the midst of a culture that's dealing with, in a world that looks at Afghanistan and Haitian earthquakes, looks at wildfires and COVID and pandemics. It looks at social media at war with one another, and it wonders, is there any good news? The gospel says there is. There's good news because of Jesus Christ and God's love for humanity. So the gospel, again, as we talk about genuine conversion, it first begins with God. It's his work. Secondly, genuine conversion, genuine conversion requires the sharing of the gospel. And third, genuine conversion is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Look what Paul says. For we know, brothers, loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in what, church? In power and in the Holy Spirit. And with full conviction. Now when Paul says that it came not only in word, he's not minimizing words, right? Obviously we just talked about that. Faith comes through hearing. But Paul is saying that not only words were happening, there was something taking place as Paul was sharing and preaching the gospel. He says that the gospel came, notice what he says here, with power. Now, the reality is that could indicate some type of miraculous work. We are not sure. And you may be wondering, well, I, well, Blake, does that mean that if I share the gospel and there's no miraculous work, that it's less effective? No. Think again about the time and place in which Paul preaches. There is no 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Right? Paul is writing and speaking and preaching in a time in which, guess what? The Bible is still, the New Testament is coming together. 
So the churches there have no ability to say, well, guys, look what I said in Romans 10. Or, hey, remember what Matthew wrote back in chapter 24? That, that, guys, it's not there yet. They may be talking about one another's words in some way at different times and places. But the reality is the New Testament as a whole has not come yet together. So these miraculous works are a way in which identifies to say that the message they are sharing is actually God's message. It's God's truth. So again, it's quite plausible that as Paul shares that they are experiencing some type of miraculous work of the Spirit. We're not sure. But the truth is, look what Paul says, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. The Spirit is doing the work here. I want to encourage you today and maybe dismantle some thoughts you may have in your mind as you go to share the gospel today or any day, right? Let's, let's be really honest. Today, if today is the only day that Greensburg Baptist shares the gospel, it's just become a program, right? Our intention of taking the gospel of this community and the nations is not a program. It's always the people. It's you and I day in and day out sharing the gospel, right? God gives you opportunities just like he does me, whether it's restaurants. The other day it was the gas station. Somebody was walking around. It's an opportunity to talk to them. I don't know them. Hey, do you go to church anywhere? Talk about spiritual beliefs. God puts you at that gas pump at that day and time, and that person's there. I assume there's for a reason. I want to talk to that man. I want to know about his life. So, guys, it's not just this morning. It is our lives daily to live this gospel. But I want to just help comfort you. If you think that going today is about you being persuasive enough, you're going to have a weight on your shoulders that you're not intended to carry. Guys, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit who brings conviction. Listen to Paul as he speaks to the church at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. He says, For our message and our preaching are not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and in power, so that your faith may not rest on the wisdom of men but on the power of God. That's where we want their faith to rest. Not on how persuasive you and I are at the door. I, I just, right? I mean, let, let's be honest. We can't be persuasive enough. And if we're somehow persuading them by our own strength, that's not a genuine conversion. And somebody else is going to be a better speaker than us long after we're gone. And they're going to persuade them otherwise. But guys, if the power of God comes, if the Spirit of God comes, there is a new work. There is a rebirth that happens. It is the convicting power of the Spirit. That's what Jesus says in John 16. He says, listen, it's not your job to convict people. It says John 16, Jesus says in verse 8, that when the Spirit comes, He will convict people in regards to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Church, today as we go, or as you go any day sharing the gospel, remember this. It is our job to be clear. It's the Spirit's job to convict. We're just trying to be clear and faithful about what the gospel says, about who Jesus is, about who we are, right? How we can be rescued. It's the Spirit's work to convict and cause people to see their sin and look upon Christ. So I want to just encourage you again, as you think about what is genuine conversion? Well, it's first a work of God. Secondly, genuine conversion involves the sharing of the gospel, which we're going to try and go to do today, just like we're trying to do every day. Genuine, thirdly, genuine conversion, it's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And last, genuine conversion produces a transformed life. That's what Paul's saying here. Look what he says, beginning in verse, beginning in verse, well, he says a little bit at verse 5. Look, he says, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. Paul says, the gospel that we preached, that gospel we lived. 
But look what else, look what happens here. Again, these people are struggling. Man, am I, are we truly God's children? Paul says, well, you are loved by God. God's chosen you. And well, the first reason is, is because look how the gospel came to you. And then secondly, he says, I want you to know, I want to affirm to you that you're truly a follower of God. You're truly his child. You've truly experienced genuine conversion. Why? Because your life has been transformed. Look what he says, verse six. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Verse 9, look what he says. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So notice what Paul says again about them. He's trying to encourage them to say you've experienced genuine conversion. It's not only about what you believed and the work of the Holy Spirit in that moment. He says, guess what? Your life was transformed. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. You began to follow God. You began to imitate the way of Christ. You began, as Paul says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God in Christ forgave you. And then he says in verse 1 of chapter 5, immediately following that verse, therefore be imitators of God. What's Paul saying? He says, if you want to follow God, then forgive as you've been forgiven. That will mark your life, showing forgiveness to enemies and people who hate you. And so listen, he's saying that should mark our lives. A transformation. This is huge, right? That that genuine conversion involves a true transformation, a true new creation, being born again. Look what he says in verse 9. He hears about this report about the kind of reception we had among you and how, notice what he says here, he indicates that they've turned to God. That's an indication of repentance. Well, they turned from, he says, well, they've turned from idols and this resulted in, right, to serve the living and true God. Paul talks here about repentance. Now, we might ask first, well, what is an idol? An idol is anyone or anything without which you can't be happy. It might be that device in your pocket or in your hand. Right, It may involve money or sex or other people's opinions. It may be how your health or your body image looks and on and on. Right, There are so many idols in our world, things that we feel like if we don't have that, I'll never be happy. I couldn't be happy unless I had that. Unless I have that today, unless I spend my time there today, I won't have true happiness. Those become idols. Thus, Paul says that they have turned to God. There's genuine repentance. Genuine repentance, guys, indicates a change in who we worship. Right? I mean, genuine repentance indicates a new worship. In other words, repentance is hating what we formerly loved. We used to love the things of the world, but repentance is turning from those things to the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit who changes our heart, changes our desires. So look what Paul says to them further. And you became, verse 6, imitators of us and of the Lord. For, he says, you receive the word in much affliction. Notice what he says here with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Despite the fact that they are suffering and afflicted, there is joy. And it's not joy of their own doing, right? This is the joy of the Holy Spirit. Can I just ask you today, before we go knock on the door telling other people about their need of Jesus, have you experienced genuine conversion yourself? Have you experienced a change in your heart and desires, what you long to worship, what you pursue and want? That doesn't mean, again, that we're not sinners and we get off course at times. But I'm saying, is there a heart, is there a desire to come and worship? Do you sense a hunger in your soul to want to go to this community today or at Cow Days or whenever God may send us to share the gospel, to serve and to minister and to love? Are you experiencing a change of longing 
that no longer enjoys and cherishes sins, but cherishes and loves the things of God. This is a mark of genuine conversion. And Paul tells them, look what he says, so that you, verse 7, became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And he says, guess what? It didn't stop just in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith rang out everywhere. Have other people seen that your heart and life has been changed? Would your coworkers know it? Does your spouse know it? Do your kids and grandkids know it? Do your best buddies know it? Guys, this should be an example. Our lives are to be truly transformed. That's a mark of genuine conversion. And I think it's important that we talk about this today and as we walk here for a moment, getting ready to go share the gospel. Why is this important? Because I think at times, let's just be honest, we're guilty of focusing just on the head knowledge. Do you understand this? Do you believe this? Can you check this box? Check, check, check. But guys, it is that. Yes, there is an affirmation of the truth. Absolutely. I'm not minimizing that. But I think Paul would also say to us, guys, there's also a work of the Holy Spirit that changes a man or woman's desires. Something that changes in our hearts. So as we share the gospel today, as we talk with people, you may encounter many people who have checked a lot of boxes. They've prayed prayers, they've been baptized, but there's no genuine conversion in the fact that their life has not been transformed and they're following Christ. We've got to be honest and point them to Christ. We've got to be truthful today and compel them that we not only are called to believe upon the name of Jesus, we are called to follow Him. It's not only Jesus as Savior, but Jesus also is Lord. This is a mark of genuine conversion, and we need to be open and honest. We need to remind ourselves today, if the God of all creation indwells you, He will transform you. It's the God who spoke the universe into existence. We're saying He indwells us, and He can't transform us? Come on, man! It's a transformed life. So today, as you go, again, thinking about genuine conversion, first, it's a work of the Lord, right? He pursues us. Secondly, there must be the sharing of the gospel if there's to be genuine conversion. Third, genuine conversion is a work, supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And fourth, genuine conversion produces a transformed life. So let's just spend now maybe the rest of our time. We've kind of, hopefully again, kind of get it in our hearts and minds before we go out. What does genuine conversion look like according to the Bible? We've heard briefly from Paul here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Now let's talk just for a moment how to share the gospel faithfully to make disciples, not decisions. All right, so maybe you've, you've had an opportunity. You've been with us. We've, we've had three different trainings. And, and so this is just going to be a way of refreshing you. And so you, you've heard it some. And, man, you're just going to be like, all right, I got, yeah, I got it, I got it, got it. You're going to be ahead of me, jumping circles, already knowing. For others of you, for whatever reason, you just haven't been able to have an opportunity to come and hear. And so today is going to be an opportunity just to share with you a way to share the gospel. Again, this is not the way, but a way. Now, I do think when you think about sharing the gospel, some things are absolutely essential. And so I just want to help, maybe just kind of help give you a little framework for a moment. As you think about sharing the gospel, I think these four things are important. I think it's the biblical story from Genesis to Revelation. And those marks are that the first is creation, right? How and why did God create us? We need to begin there, right? Talking about the Bible. The Bible talks about that. That helps us understand how the world began. But then the reality is we messed up. We broke that. The Bible calls that sin. So there's creation, there's sin. But the good news is the Bible says that God didn't leave us in our sin. In fact, he sent a son, right, his only son, to redeem us. So creation, sin, redemption, 
And the good news is, for those who repent and believe on Him by grace through faith, no work of their self, they are restored. Living in the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in obedience to Christ's example and His commands. And for those who have repented and believed, one day they will be with Him in the restored new heaven, new earth. So creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Right? And so I, I want to encourage you again as you think about that. It's just reminding yourself, right, of what it looks like to share the gospel. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And so one of the ways I think you can faithfully do that is through the three circles. And we've been training through those. And again, we did a one call yesterday, but if you haven't, I want to show you just briefly on the screen the app. Um, It's the Life on Mission. And so is it quick going, Ms. Karen? Okay. Um, If... If you've had an opportunity to download it, it's called Life on Mission. If you have an Apple device, if you have an Android device, it's uh, Life Conversation Guide. Okay, so Life on Mission, if you have an Apple device, Life Conversation Guide. It's going to look something like that. Three circles right there. That's the app, okay? Maybe you'd say, you know what, Blake? I'm not an app person. I'm not a phone person. I'm a pen and paper person. Great. Here's what I want to let you know is, is as you go to the door today, this is what you're going to have. You're going to have some of these, okay? And inside these... Right, there's going to be several things. So briefly, I just want to show them to you really quickly, right? One is it's in a bag, so it's got a door hanger. So you can just simply place it over their doorknob if they're not home, right? You can leave it with them. But inside that bag, you're going to have the Jesus film, right? Three different films in there, eight different languages, about 60 minutes each, okay? That's if they're not not home. They get a chance to open this up and say, what is it? They can put it in their DVD player. They got a language. Man, they they can listen to it, watch that film. Inside, there's a gospel track, right? So again, that's an opportunity. If they're not home, they come in later, they see that, they can look through it. Also, there's a flyer from the the Kentucky Baptist Convention, right? Talks about the word gospel and shares briefly the gospel with them. There's also a number, right, that they can text or call. Opportunity 24 hours a day, seven days a week to talk to somebody. So again, these are all opportunities if if they are not home and you leave it and they later pick it up, okay? But also inside that flyer is going to be a little picture of our church. Going to have some different service times. Talks a bit about a couple of things about them so they can get for more information. But on the back of that, guess what? If you say, you know what, I'm not an app person, I'm a pen and paper person, then great. Take that out, pull it out of the bag if they're there talking to them. Man, just draw three circles. That's what you're going to do, right? And we'll talk you through it real quickly. This gives you an opportunity. Again, if you don't have an app, your phone dies, something happens, man, get you an ink pen, got this, every door, you can draw it, bam, leave it, talk it through them. So let's talk through quickly what is the three circles, all right? As we do that, I think we need to remind ourselves, okay? A couple things. I wrote some things down here, reminders. One is, is that we're in the midst of COVID. So everybody's opinion and view on COVID may not be the same as yours. Be aware of that as you approach the door. All right, again, we're going to be outside. We're not going into somebody's home, right? You may get a sweet old granny, right, who says, well, baby, come in. It's hot. Get those babies in here, right? We're going to, Emily and I are going to have the kids. They, they, or that She may just encourage you to come in. It may be just something simple as this. Ma'am, I, I'm so thankful, or sir, I'm so thankful that you would be that kind. But given the, the current season, I, I don't want to expose you to something. And I also want to be guarded myself. And boom, right there in that moment. You want to be wise, right? It's going to be a little bit warm outside. So I want to take care of you and who those you're with. But also remember that person. They may be a little bit elderly, right, potentially. You want to be wise of how long they're standing there in the heat. So again, be perceptive of those moments. Today, as you again go to the door, what's it going to look like? Or here's maybe just really practical, Okay. So you walk up to the door, you've got your little, you've got your bag and your hanger, right? You walk up to the door, you can ring the doorbell, you can knock on it, right? So they encourage, boom, maybe four or five knocks. If there's no doorbell, right, you may hear the doorbell, you may hear the, if you hear the dog barking, you know you've, you've struck gold, right? You know, that somebody's heard, they're aware, okay? 
Then they encourage you two or three steps back, all right, and kind of turn in the side. Why? Because that gives that person an opportunity to see you before you see them, right? So you're not sitting there looking in the window like, I see you. Uh-huh, I saw you peeking through those blinds, right? Like, hello, that's creepy and weird, okay? Don't do that. So they encourage you to stand back. They get a chance to see you. They get a sight if they want to answer the door or not. That's their choice, okay? Um, and, and so it's just reality. Um, and so anyway, I was thinking about something funny my son said, but anyway, I'll move past it. Um, but listen, so again, you give them that opportunity. If they open the door, here, here, they don't open the door, just leave the door hanger on there, boom, walk off, okay? Um, if, the, if they do, right, just something simple like this. Hi, my name is Blake. Uh, this is my wife, Emily. These are our kiddos. We're with Greensburg Baptist Church. And today we just want to come out and talk to you about your relationship with the Lord. It's simple. It's honest. It's who I am, and it's also why I'm here. Okay, so I'm not here to try to sell you something, or get you to like buy something, right? I'm just being really open and honest with you about why I'm here. It also holds me accountable. Why? So that I can't talk about everything else and never get to the gospel. Mark said it. We're going to talk about it maybe at the end just for a moment. I'll just be honest with you. If I can be really transparent for a moment. I've knocked on some doors and I'll just be honest. There's been times when I was just hoping nobody would come. Just being straight with you. I was anxious, I was worried. I wasn't really sure about what I was going to say. My, I mean, what might they say? Just be really honest with you. So that's okay. There's those moments you have, right? But again, so you want to just share, hey, this is my name, right? I'm with Greensburg Baptist. And we want to come out today and just ask about your relationship with the Lord. Right, Brother Todd's been te- teaching through, right? Share Jesus without fear. Great question. I love it. It's one of the questions I'm telling you almost, I'd say seven out of ten times I'm talking with somebody about the gospel is a question. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? I can ask it in the line as I'm working down through there, right, at a restaurant. I can ask it at the gas pump. Boom. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? Give them a chance to answer. Right? I might ask a question simply like, do you have a church home? You guys go to church anywhere? Might hear your opportunity, right? Do they? Yeah, they do. And, hey, well, how's, that, how's it going, right? Have you been going during the pandemic or what's going on? Or maybe it's been 15, 20 years, right? Just, again, I'm just trying to hear. I may ask, how's your life, right? Again, so it's not just like this one size fits all. Just, you're just having a conversation. And maybe they begin to share, you know, I, I was going and then something happened. And, or we've gotten really sick, somebody in our family. Or I've been dealing with a brokenness in relationship. Or the church, man, that pastor is a jerk. And I haven't been back since. Guess what? It's just hearing a moment about brokenness. And that's actually one of the circles. And you, you might say something simply like, Man, that's, that's really hard. I'm so sorry that you've gone through that. I, I haven't gone through that exact thing, but I have gone through some hard things. Can I share with you what's changed my life? Bam. Whatever it is, right, I'm asking for permission just for a moment to share the gospel, right? So we've got to get rocking, but I want to give you just kind of, again, knock on the door, stepping back, right? You're just kind of engaging them for a moment and then asking for an opportunity to share. It's possible. They say no. They don't want to hear. Guess what? Just ask, hey, thank you anyway. I'm going to leave that with you so you can watch it at your own. Would it be okay if I prayed with you? They may say no. That's okay too. Do not be a jerk. They will know we are Christians by what? Our love. So don't be a jerk and pout and be like, oh, you don't even want me to pray for you, pagan? Out of here. No. That's okay. I'll just be honest. I've had people that like, they don't even want you to pray. They don't want to hear about the gospel. Just listen. Show love to them. God, God's going to use that moment. Just a faithful, again, success or is, is faithfulness is just sharing the gospel and the power of the Spirit. Not every door opens. Just be faithful and obedient. But let's say they do say, yeah, I, that'd be great to hear. Here's another one. Right? I thought about this this morning. I was just praying through all kinds of different things the last few days. 
Somebody may say, you know what, I already go to church. I'm a Christian. I know all about that. Say, well, great. You are a great opportunity for me then just to practice. Could I just share this with you? And maybe you give me some feedback of maybe how I didn't do it well or how I could do it more clearly next time. Boom. Right, because you don't know. And they've told you that, but you don't know. You just want the opportunity to share the gospel. That's what my hope is, right? So let's go through it. Just briefly, the three circles. Again, if you have the app, Life on Mission for Apple devices, Android devices, Life Conversation Guides, I encourage you to download it. Bam, you can show it, walk it through. But if you don't, pen and paper will work. Here it is, right? The first circle is God's design. I know it's not super clear or big right there, but God's design. All right, what is God's design? Well, the Bible says in Genesis 1 that God created everyone and everything. God created us, male and female, in his own image to worship and glorify him. That means that you and I were created for a purpose, to know God and be in relationship with him. It's the good news of the gospel, right? That there's a God who loves us, who who created the world to guess what? To be in harmony with him and one another. Our world's gone a long way from that, hasn't it? Right? I I may interact with them some, right? Asking some questions. You'd say, Blake, man, that's good for you as a preacher, bro. But I, I, I don't know if I got that. You got the app. Look what it says. We see beauty, purpose, and evidence of God's design around us. The Bible tells us that God originally planned a world that worked perfectly where everything and everyone fit together in harmony. God made each of us with a purpose to worship Him and walk with Him. It even has Genesis 131. God saw all that He made, and it was very good. Guess what? Here's what I want you to know. Hopefully you realize that I ain't smart enough to remember everything I want to say, and every week I've got a manuscript. And I look at it, and I'm not embarrassed to look at it. I know there's guys that are a lot smarter than me that can memorize it. I just can't. And so guess what? I have to look at it sometimes because I'm just not as prepared as I want to be. Other times because I think, man, I want to make sure I say this clearly. So it's okay in that moment to look at the app and say, well, this is God's design. And maybe just kind of just for a moment, you're trying to remember exactly what it is. Boom, hit those bullet points. Bam, bam, look back up, talk. It's okay. You don't have to be perfect, all right? I'm trying to encourage you and I. We don't have to be perfect. But first circle is God's design. So you're telling them about who God is. He created everyone, everything to know and worship him. Unfortunately, the Bible says that sin came in the world. Sin is disobedience or not following God's design. It's breaking his commands. You may be a good person and do a lot of good things, but I just want to be really honest with you. Romans 3.23 says that for all of what? Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3 talks about the fact that there's no one who pursues God. There's no one that's righteous. None of us are good enough. That's our sin. And the Bible says this again. This is your third tap now. Third tap. Bam. That sin leads to brokenness. Brokenness is when we begin to look. You, you study today idols, other things, right? I don't know if I'm going to use that word, but I'm going to begin to look to other things to satisfy us, right? We look to addictions or relationships, right? We look for money, right? I mean, all, on and on. We look through our body, through our intelligence, through athletics, like whatever we can get to make us feel whole, to make us feel like we're actually worth something. And that brokenness, guess what? Just keeps leading to more brokenness. That person you're seeking that relationship with, it'll never be enough. Now, again, if I'm sharing the gospel at the front door, I'm probably not talking through all of this, but I'm trying to give you some thoughts of how do you wrestle with these circles. Okay, so again, brokenness is just being honest that we're broken and we're sinful. And instead of coming back to God, we just keep looking for more things to satisfy and make us whole. But the good news is this is your third circle. It's what's called the gospel. And the gospel means what? Good news. The gospel is good news. It's the good news that there's a God who loves us. So maybe you think, man, I, I'm, I'm third circles broke. I'm kind of maxed out. Here's really quickly. I was talking right with the boys. We're walking through it again this morning at the table. And just really briefly, here's the gospel really simply. This circles that you already got tell you what the gospel is. 
The gospel says that Jesus came as God's own son. And guess what he did? He perfectly lived God's design. He never sinned. He never messed up. Not even once. And therefore, he could go to the cross, not dying for his own sin and brokenness, but for whose? Ours. Mm. I pray we never get over that. Man, just that moment, just feeling that. That's my sin and shame. My Savior on that cursed tree. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. But again, see how the the circles, gospel, tells about God's design, that Christ lived the life that I couldn't live. He lived it perfectly. And he dies on the cross, taking my sin and shame, right? So it's a debit and a credit, right? A debit of your sin and brokenness is taken away and put it on Christ. And Christ's perfect life, his living perfectly God's design is now credited to you. How does this happen? Well, this, this is your next tap. Repent and believe. The Bible calls us, just as you heard this morning, to turn from our sinful way, to turn from our sin and brokenness, and to believe upon Christ. Well, how can anybody do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I've been sharing. We've been walking through our witness training. I'm telling you, when it comes time to share the gospel, it will make you utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit. It was said the great prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon himself, that when he would take the steps walking up, he was struggling so much so often to preach that he would simply just repeat so often this. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. My mic's not on, but a lot of Sundays I'm walking through there. I believe in the Holy Spirit. God, please, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Because I realize that if Blake Jesse gets up here, I can't change anything. But if the Spirit of God works, He will transform lives. It's the work of the Spirit. So you're just simply trusting in the Holy Spirit. Repentance is the power of the Spirit changing our desires to want Christ. To have a new worship. To believe that, guess what? That Christ really lived God's design and our life is sin and brokenness. So again, believing on that, trusting. Guess what? If you scroll down, it has Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. you got a scripture right there to talk about what salvation is. How do we believe? It's not a work. It's His work. And then the last tap comes, recover and pursue. So hopefully you've seen it, right? God's design, creation, the sin and brokenness, our sin. Jesus, the gospel is redemption. And then finally we've come to the restoration, recover and pursue. The good news is, right, is that for those who repent and believe, they receive God's Holy Spirit. God's Spirit begins to change our heart and our desires to want to live and obey Him. It's not because we have to. We actually get to. God changes us that we want to live for Him. I want to let you know Philippians 2 and 13. Listen, this is in the app, but it's going to be an encouragement to you as you go today. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. As you walk those steps, listen, I want you to know you're going to be anxious. You're going to be worried. I'm going to stumble. I'm just going to tell you up front, you're probably going to mess up. I'm going to be up front with you. I'm probably going to mess up. You come with me, you're like, well, if Blake does it like that, I can, I can do better than that, dude. Like, I just want to let you know. And guess what? In that moment, it's going to be an utter calling out. Just a reminder of Philippians 2 and 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good pleasure. Oh, God, thank you that it's not about me sharing it perfect enough today. You are the perfect one. I want them to see Jesus. Trust in Him. Rely upon the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. And so then after you share it, again, I'm probably going to be much briefer than that at the door, right? God's design, sin, brokenness, the gospel. We're called to repent and believe. And those who do are restored. They can recover and pursue. They can live in the power of the Spirit to obey God's, right? To live out God's design. Do you see it? We can finally live God's design, not in our own strength, but the strength of Christ. So I might just simply ask after I shared that, Tony, where do you see yourself? Isaac, where would, where would you see yourself in these three circles? And then I'm going to be quiet. 
Step back. Just give them a chance. It's possible in this moment that they right, are just not necessarily sure yet or maybe trying to wrestle with it all. This might be a moment where I'd say, you know what, you've got two more minutes. Could I just share with you my story? And I might just briefly share with them that I grew up in the church and, and my parents and family, we were involved in the church there. We read the word at home. But the reality is growing up in the church doesn't make you saved. I still was a sinner. I was still separated from God. I was living in sin and brokenness even as a young man. And God in his love came to me and showed me the, the, the gravity of the depth between me and him and yet his love that he would send his son for me, that I could be saved and rescued. I, I would love to tell you that after I repented and believed on the gospel that all I did the rest of my life was just recover and pursue God's design. But I just want to be really honest with you. There was a season throughout college where, where I, I, instead of pursuing God's design, I pursued a lot more sin and brokenness. And the good news is that God didn't stop loving me. And as his word says, his kindness led me back to repentance. I want to let you know that repenting and believing is not just what you do one day back at some point in your past. As a believer, this is what we do daily. We continue to repent and believe. Continue. Because we all struggle with sin and brokenness. But the gospel just day after day, moment after moment, keeps calling me back that I would live in the power of the Spirit, that I can live out God's design. So I want to ask you again, Emily, where where do you see yourself in these three circles? And bam, I'm quiet, right? It's two minutes or less. I'm trying to be brief as I share at their door, right? Aware of all things. I want to encourage you today as you go out that roughly 80% of Greene County does not attend church on a normal Sunday. That means that eight out of 10 homes in which you knock on likely has someone that is not attending church today. I want to be honest with you about some yeses. Yes, we're going to struggle. Yes, we're going to be afraid or anxious. Yes, they may ask us stuff that we do not know, but I want to remind us of our greater whys. Why? Because Acts 4 and 12 says salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to all people by which they must be saved. And why are we there and going to share? Because God works in us to will and to act according to His good pleasure. The Spirit is going to empower you. Remember your wise when you're afraid. Christ is coming. This person is going to face judgment. I must share the good news of the gospel with them. I can't do it in my own strength, but the Spirit's going to empower me. There used to be a day when the church bells would ring and the community would hear and know and know it's time to come to church. Let's be honest. We can ring these church bells every day, all the time, and people aren't coming. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't ring church bells. I'm not saying that. But I think it does remind us today that we can ring our bell and nobody's probably going to come, or we can go and ring their bell. Are you ready? Let's go make disciples. Let's not seek decisions. Let's, Let's seek disciples who come and hear the good news of the gospel, trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray now. First and foremost, if there's any in here, God, who hearing about genuine conversion and what the gospel truly is, that they themselves recognize where they stand. Father, I pray that you would bring conviction first and foremost to their soul and heart, that they would repent and believe on the gospel. Father, I pray now for your children, God, those who are already in Christ. Father God, that let's just be honest, we're afraid today. So Lord, we're praying that you would give us strength, give us boldness. Help us not be ashamed, Lord. Help us when we stumble and fall just to keep going, Lord. As your word says, though the righteous may fall seven times, yet they rise again. Lord, we know that you will give us the strength and the wisdom we need. God, help us now. Fill us with your spirit. Lord, we know salvation is first your work, and so we cry out to you. God, would you work? Would you open blinded eyes to see the beauty of the gospel? 
Lord, take away the blinders, God. Cause hardened hearts to be softened to the truth of your word. Give us again, your church, strength and boldness to share the gospel with this community. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.